2: This is Radio Wave with your host, a friend of Mejigoria.
3: We have our country growing more ill. Most people see things in the point where we're headed to ICU. We're doing a course trying to finish up the book. They find the first shot in this book. There's a lot of research that I'm doing with it, and of course with our lady, what she said for the last thirty years, and everything's coming real clear. In fact, I've uh, we're held right. up in a hotel because we uh, are so busy and get so many interruptions. carry tasks for me to be able to finish this. And I need to be able to be able to concentrate on it. So that's why we're doing this by phone today, Mesonomics. But I have three or four uh, people from the community with me, and of course we're. I'm letting them verify and research facts to make sure what we've put in the book again is resourced back to the original source rather than relying on somebody who somebody said this and somebody said that. <clears throat> so we want to be accurate because what we say is so strong that we want to make sure nobody can sit there and say, oh, this fact's wrong. So when we get it, we trace sources out as far as we can go, and if we can't verify them, then we drop it and pull it out of the book. So we got on an elevator last night. We only went to one floor, and maybe this man jumped on at the last second. So our shirt, one of our shirts that says Caritas. He said, "What's Caritas?" By the time we got to the second floor, which was just a few seconds, enough conversation took place. He said, "I want to come to y'all's room." He came to our room and spent uh, probably forty-five minutes with us. Uh, on the elevator, he he quickly got into to what what's happening in the United States and what's going on. He said, "You know, I'm scared." And so the sentiment is out there. A religious, not religious, believer, not believer, whoever you are, everybody knows now, conceding that there's something very, very dark that is about to take place and being uncovered as we speak. And so we have this growing luminous cloud that's descending on us and the thing that we have is just like this man last night. He's here because they don't have any they don't have any answer. They don't have a solution. Thank God we're friends with our lady. Thank God we understand our children and our uh paternal mother and what she's doing to the world. And being this man was a Catholic, I spoke to him about our lady and the messages and you know, because of the circumstances so in this country and the world is so grave, there's not even skipping of a beat. He's wanting several of the books we're gonna send to him. And he's and this is typical, this is not an isolated case. Wherever I go this happens. I'd be writing and doing whatever I do, sitting on a plane and and inevitably it comes up and I'm even trying to avoid it and concentrate on what I'm doing. Maybe the focus on that intrigues people, I don't know. Maybe it's grace, partly too. But we always end up about this, and I never shy away from the messages. I speak about it, least I used to speak about it to those you encounter. And so, the issues of our day place people who wouldn't be in a position 15 or 20 years ago to hear about the messages or what's going on or explanations of why, what's going on. Everybody knows what's going on, basically why it is, and what's the solution to that, they're more, they're more open than ever, because they don't have the answer, other than doing something legislatively, something presidentially, voting, something to the court judicially, something congressionally. You know, that's the answer. That's your answer. It didn't work. We've been playing this game, and we've been tra- trained to play this game for a long, long time. Every law that we get passed, we find that turns to be long road to make a bigger noose for more people. As Jefferson said, uh, laws are used as the tools for tyranny. Every law passed is a restriction on man's freedom. God gave us Ten Commandments, and if we live by that, it covers everything there are. How do we have a law about health care that's 2,000 pages? No laws are written this way. Why? Because they're simple. They're paragraphs. They're small, small things. They're specific. They're very clear. And they, and they route to, back to the Constitution. So when you get a 2,000-page law, you might as well stamp on the front of it, tyranny. That's what that's about. Because with a 2,000-page law, you can do anything, interpret in any way, and place upon any people what it is that you want to achieve. So if there's an agenda, that can be achieved. There's nothing that can't be touched, nothing that can't be controlled from your house to whatever it may be, the military all the way through down to the police, to your school teacher, to your doctors, nothing that can't be underneath the jurisdiction this health care bill. And so, when looking at these things, people grow more and more alarmed. Uh, the book, They Fired the First Shot, 2012, is gonna alarm you. It is frightening if you don't have a lady, if you haven't seen her way, if you don't understand what's going on. And we can root this back to economics. Uh, the root of all evil is the love of money. And we're consumed with it. We've consummated ourselves in union with everything to do with material things, which is purchased by money. And so Medianomics is just about that. Um, Maria was talking to her a couple weeks ago, the visionary, and she said, oh, I spent three hours with one of your big fans. And I said, what are they reading? he says, he listens to Medianomics all the time. And uh, say so he's a big, big, big fan of yours, and uh, and of course this is one of Maria's neighbors in Italy, and she was saying he was telling her all about this, this these things, and and that's good because it's tangible, it's cross culture, it's multinationed about economics. It's the one thing that touches everybody: the exchange of their labor whether it be goods that they're selling or their services that they sell, to another person or another company or another store or somebody somewhere, that means of exchange is something that's on everybody's mind. And in many ways, it captivates us, it consumes us, it preoccupies us. We handle it every day, whether it be at the gas pump or whatever. And all actions in our And our whole day is built around it. So, Joan, your story of the week uh, really goes into this more thoroughly and explains this.
4: It's called Modern Day Slavery. It looks like Dad had a bad day, whispered a little boy hiding outside the line of fire. Lately, it seemed that every day was bad for Dad, whose name was Albert. Albert was experiencing the stress of living in financial slavery. It wasn't that Albert was poor or didn't earn enough money. In actuality, no salary would be enough. We are slaves in the spiritual sense when something takes God's place in our lives. Financial slavery occurs when money and finances occupy the priority place in our lives that belongs to the Creator. Let's look at Albert's example to see some of the most common symptoms of financial slavery. Number one, Excessive concern about finances. People in financial slavery are under such economic stress that they can't get their finances out of their heads. At home, they worry about finances. At work, they think about their bills. Driving the car, they calculate their bank account. Eating dinner, they plan how they will make their payments. It makes them a giant bag of nerves. Number two, anger, wrath, and bad moods. With financial pressure bothering them all the time, they're often in a bad mood. They shout, they're nervous, they get angry for no reason, and people generally prefer to avoid them. Number three, avarice. People enslaved by finances worry so much about getting more, their greed can make them miserly. Number four, resentment. Resentment can be triggered from a variety of different sources, including a bad business cycle friends who don't understand god for not providing every want the spouse for not making the money go further the list is endless but these do not cause resentment resentment is a choice and resentment is a bad choice leading to bitterness and spiritual misery or misery number 5 indulgence believe it or not The people under the most severe financial pressure are those who can't help indulging themselves. They know they can't afford a certain luxury, but they get it anyway because they deserve it. I need a vacation, they say, buying a ticket to an exotic destination. They could have gone to an aunt's country house two hours away and rested the same, but indulgence rules and they go far away, take an expensive cruise, buy a new computer, or bring home a brand new car all part of the pleasure they deserve for suffering so much. Number six, poor record-keeping. People in financial slavery often don't know where the money went. The end of the month comes, and they have no idea how they spent their salary. Miscellaneous expenses are a black hole in the financial universe. Money falls in there, and only God knows where it goes. Unexpected invoices arrive in the mail, and these people are thrown off balance. They know their income should be enough, but somehow they end up short every month. If you identify with these symptoms, considering doing these three things. Number one, transfer everything you own to God. It is not enough to pray and tell God that your life is His. Start acting as the manager instead of the owner of the goods God has entrusted to you. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall. Proverbs 11. Twenty-eight. You will probably have to make some difficult decisions in the near future, and if you are the owner of your belongings, home, or business, it will be very difficult to make the right ones freely. Number two, accept God's leading in your life. The Word of God says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Start looking to the Word of God and not only to your financial advisors for the path He wants you to take. Allow the Holy Spirit to talk, not only through the feelings but also through the Word. Remember that the heart is deceitful. Don't be led by hunches. Make sure your decisions are grounded in the everlasting Word of God. Number three, establish the right priorities. There is not enough space to fully develop this issue, but we'll briefly offer a few main points. Remember that Psalm 127 warns us that unless God builds our lives, we are working in vain. The second verse says, In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Put God first in your life, not the church or all kinds of activities. Your relationship with God should be your number one priority. Next to your relationship with God is your relationship with your spouse. Remember, you married your spouse, not your children or your boss. Many problems arise when we ignore the Bible's teaching to leave our mother and father to join our spouse, becoming as one flesh. In third place are the children. Last is your responsibility for work and then ministry. If you are a pastor or ministry leader, you can raise a family with excellence, even if your ministry is not thriving, But you can't have an excellent ministry if your family is not doing well. To minister effectively to our families is a biblical precondition for church ministry. Churches should require their pastors to take days off each week and go on vacation at least once or twice a year for their family's sake. Regardless of what kind of work you do, remember that your wife is your second priority after your relationship with God. Your children are number three and work is number four. If your wife or children are suffering because of your work, who has to yield? What are you willing to sacrifice? It is not easy to live according to biblical priorities. It could mean a career change or working less, either of which will probably mean less income. The result may be a smaller house or driving an older car. But if you start living with the right family priorities, accepting God's leading in your life, and becoming a good manager of the possessions, time, and relationships he has entrusted to you, you will be part of an exclusive minority who can say with joy in their hearts, I am free. Although I still have daily financial responsibilities and concerns, I am free from financial mm-hmm. slavery.
3: This is, in essence, really is the definition of, of where we've fallen. And from there, we head toward economic collapse. It's going to come. You can't avoid it. There's no way to pay what we owe the government, the county, the cities, the states, and the people. So if everybody's in debt, and very few people are completely debt-free, then what happens? A collapse. It's just that simple. It's just that logical. Remember, Our Lady said, the Word is the light of common sense. Change the Word to Jesus, because He is the Word. Drop out the... uh, the word is the light of salvation, common sense, drop out of salvation. So you can say all these words right there. Jesus is the light of common sense. Focus on that. Use common sense. Why are you barely making a paying your bills when you can downsize? Get ready, dump your house, whatever you got to do to get rid of it, and go live in a doghouse, live in a, a lean-to. And some of you have money out of your pay income over and beyond what you have buy a little plot of land, do whatever you got to do. Be innovative, reason, think, and change your situation. Downsize, not to what your budget is, downsize way below your, your budget that suddenly what well, you are in deficit each week or each month that you have surplus. With that surplus, you buy a little plot of land. If you have to go, I'm against rent. That's not the way to go. But if that's a temporary measure that you can find little, Shack in the country, you know, that has got air blowing through the walls uh, as you burn up in the summertime. If you got to do that for a year or two years, uh, while you're making thirty-five or seventy-five thousand dollars or whatever you're making, and take that extra cash and buy an acre of land or two acres of land, you can survive on two and a half acres of land on everything. Your can and your groceries, your everything. You can make it. Now you're not going to make that system in that way of life in in one year, and we're out of time. I'm not saying to do this and start thinking about it. You've got to act now. And so we've got this thing with money, this affair, that we say it's not, uh, I- I'm not in love with making money, but but people are enslaved by it and don't even realize it. And so we turn something, like the Marcus Medjugorje medallion that we make, we had minted and with the purpose of putting your funds into that. And and some people criticize that. Oh, how dare you use Medjugorje, you know, or Our Lady, and put that on the silver silver piece, one-ounce piece. And uh, a friend just sent me something that that uh, is pretty um, vindicating to that kind of mentality. And it's a Madonna and child silver dinar. It's an original minute between fifteen forty and sixteen hundreds by the Austrian Hungarian Empire. And they put a lady on it and a baby Jesus. And this was money. This was their coin. It's one of the first coins to actually carry the date in history in this country. And so you've got this little silver piece that exchanged daily for fruit at the market for a straw basket, for a little wheat from the fields, or whatever they did back then. And this this, this coin that I have is, is worn, obviously from 400 years ago, 500 years ago, from people who had used it. And you can just only think of the peasants that this went through, or to the kings. I mean, money goes from one end of the spectrum to the poorest, to the richest, the weak to the powerful. It trades hands with everyone where it travels from the highest skyscrapers today down to the lowest places on the streets, or in, the, in the rural areas. Money transfers and bees, can be one place on a plane when somebody steps off halfway around the world. And here it that is, the, I'm sent this round as a gift, this little coin that was minted between 1540 and 1600s. The date I can't see, it looks like it's worn off. But it's, it's incredible. It says, the 400-year-old relic, the famous Madonna and Child Silver Denar, was minted in the Australian and Hungarian Empire from 1540 to 1600s. This treasure is one of the first coins ever minted to carry a date. Each of these hand-struck silver coins is a unique and genuine heirloom and observes the features of the blood image of the Virgin Mary and Baby Jesus, an image that made, one of, that made this one of Europe's most revered, revered coins of the 16th century. It's not a sin to put God on our money. It's not a sin to make a miraculous magical around, medallion, a religious round, one ounce piece. The sin is the love of money and wealth. That's what turns it into sin. And so, for you who have scruples against this, and that is definitely not a small minority but I want to address this with the cancellation of this proof of history. When people were very religious, they lived for God. God was first, just like Joan's story she just read. God made up the life, made up the culture, made up the economic system. He was part of it. And because he did, God was king over it. And when they exchanged this little silver dinar, they were reminded of who was God and who was Mammon. And so they turn mammon into what is of God. And so when Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God. The Madonna and the, and the child is on this silver piece. This comes from God as a gift. Give us this daily bread. Thank you, God, I've got this piece. Thank you, This little so silver piece you can go by my victuals, my if you want to say that, for the next month. Or whatever tools you might need to buy back then, and so we think wrong. We're structured wrong. We're set up wrong. And he says, "Set out with me." Why? Because she's setting us on a new path. On the dollar bill and God we trust means nothing. People are going to take it off. How can they, they? The U.S. Mint minted some round, some quarters or, half, or several dollars, I think. A couple years ago, and they put in God We Trust on the side, and they advertise, well, we didn't take it off of it, but it's encroachment or it's creeping gradualism. Move it to the side, then people will not notice, and then eventually people drop it. And they can do that to us and to Christianity because they're removing every vestige of Christian symbolism or wording that they can do and get away with, and because we are so busy infatuated with what I'm going to do as John you know, story was saying about financials and money and how we're going to do this because we're living beyond rather than under want more than rather less that we've forgotten the principle of have more with less. If you downsize, you cut out things that you don't need, you really go and impoverish yourself. Even with a $25,000 salary, impoverish yourself. You can get to where you have more you have less you have less spending of cash and you have more cash left over so whatever it's relative whether you make twenty five thousand whether you make two hundred and two point five million uh there's people making two point five million that aren't paying the bills. sports stars have been classic examples of this. That they suddenly come into where they they got fifty million dollar contracts, they got houses in different countries, they got houses down on the Caribbean's and islands and Bahama islands, and they go bankrupt. Do not go beyond your means, because when you go beyond your means, it's your God. God is supposed to be on our heart, our mind, our thoughts all day long, throughout the whole day. But when you live beyond your means. All your heart, thought, and mind, and everything you do is your finances. And so it's just like so many people in marriage today. They think they're married to the children, not to the spouse. This is a big error in marriage. They're consumed about this, about the children and children. You want to take care of your children, love your spouse. That's who you're married to. Put them the center, not the children. And the, the, the children can get under the center, underneath that mantle of that solid relationship. We've lost scope even on this. Why? Because everything's driven by money. Everything's driven for what the kids want. Everything's driven, driven by what the words say I want, not what God wants. And so there's a lot we can do in changing our situation, taking your cash, getting the the religious one-ounce piece, the rock's metal Medjugorje, uh, image of our lady, with the Marcus Medal on it, which safeguards it because don't trust that the government won't be taking up silver money this is this is a religious medallion it's a religious piece it has value. the silver has value in it, but religious would be the last thing they can take up, and don't count it they won't even try to take that up eventually, but your safety and what it is, and putting God first puts a seal on that piece, that one ounce piece in and of itself. If you want to talk about transferring or your retirement or your 401ks into this, you can get a hold of Frank, which is not on the air with us today because of us walking out of the hotel rooms and uh for the book. But if they want to get a hold of Frank, uh, Riaz, you want to give the number?
2: Yeah, certainly. Uh you can get in touch with Frank Williams at uh, Global Silver Investors. That's a uh, toll free number, one eight seven seven nine three six seven six eight six again that's eight seven seven nine three six seven six eight six you could also reach him at Global silver investors at yahoo.com and the website is global silver investors.com uh, and again just a reminder for everyone to uh, please keep in prayer uh, the book that uh, friend of Meor is finishing up at this moment they fired the first shot 2012 uh, this is a book that is pertinent to the time that we're in. It's uh, very dated, and it is something that's very crucial that you read as soon as this book is available. So uh, if you can please just keep that in prayer, uh, that this is finished as soon as possible, uh, so that we can get that on the presses and get that out to the people uh, as, as quick as we can. So again, uh, keep that in all of your daily prayers and all of your daily Masses as well.
3: Just to add a word to that, when you say finishing a book, you think it's easy. You've got the glossary, you've got things like that, just the technical aspects of it, which requires a lot of work and verification and going back and rereading so it's not something that just happens uh, but we're trying to grow down on that and we do need prayer for that to help get this thing out get it out quickly as as just said it is very dated and it's information you need to know now that you can act on immediately and put into action so until next week we wish you Our Lady we love you goodbye